Welcome to Christian Curious with Dr. Haley Scott of Denver Seminary. What are the challenges we face in today's church and culture in a postmodern, post-Christian era? Dr. Haley believes that in addressing those issues, the church must adopt a missional mindset. Christianity does hold the answers to the big questions of today's culture. Let's join Dr. Haley for today's edition of Christian Curious. How does technology impact our spiritual formation? What kind of people are we becoming with access to digital technology virtually in our pockets and our fingertips at every point of the day? Welcome to Christian Curious with Dr. Haley Gray Scott, a show where we try to address some of the most important questions related to ministry and spirituality in our time. Today in the guest co-host seat is Hunter Hambrick. Hunter, you are currently a student of Denver Seminary. Um, What are you studying? Yeah, I'm a second year Master's of Divinity student at Denver Seminary. Okay, and you came up with the idea to study spiritual formation in the digital age, which, you know, listeners know that I'm really interested in that as well. And, And, you know, how does a human keep up, you know, with the rate of technological change. So that interests me too. But what interested you in this topic? Definitely. I think some of it comes from my prior ministry experience, having worked as a youth pastor at a fairly large church for a few years. I found that my own internal pace and rhythm was kind of unsustainable, that I didn't have the interior life that I wanted to sustain ministry. And so interest in spiritual formation kind of came out of need for me to slow down, reflect, and experience the presence of God in my life. Well, we have a guest today in the studio that is an expert in spiritual formation. Dr. Howard Baker is an assistant professor of Christian formation and the director of of formation at Denver Seminary. He joined the faculty of Denver Seminary in 2006 as an instructor in Christian formation He's been an adjunct faculty member since 1995, and together with Dr. Bruce Demarest, who has also done a lot of work in spiritual formation, he began Denver Seminary's certificate program in evangelical spiritual guidance. In addition, he has served as a board member for Spiritual Formation Alliance and Young Life Africa, and he offers spiritual direction and leads retreats. Currently, he is a board member and teacher for Nexus International and on the faculty of the Soul Care Institute. Dr. Baker, welcome to Christian Curious. Well, thank you so much for having me. And one clarification, uh, in the field of spiritual formation, there really aren't any experts. (laughs) We're always, as the early church fathers say, we're always beginners. Always beginners. Love that. I love that too. Hunter, would you like to open up with the first question? Absolutely. Dr. Baker, thank you so much for joining us and taking time to chat with us today. You've been doing and teaching spiritual formation for decades now. Could you just define spiritual formation for us? Sure. Uh, You make me feel old. I've been doing it for decades. (laughs) Uh, Let me, yeah, first say there's lowercase spiritual formation. So spiritual with a small s, which is the kind of spiritual formation that every person gets, mm. whether they want to or not. Our wills, our hearts, our spirits are formed by our environment, by our families, by our culture, by the technology that mm-hmm. we, uh, we use. Uh, so that's a f- one aspect of spiritual formation that 
we need to take into consideration uh, Christian spiritual formation, mm -hmm. uh, spiritual formation with a capital S, has to do with the Holy Spirit forming and shaping uh, our whole lives into the image of Jesus for the sake of others and to the glory of God. Hmm. Uh, maybe a simpler uh, definition would simply be being with Jesus in order to become like him. Hmm. Uh, and through that encounter with Jesus, uh, we his image is impressed upon us. And so even when it's simply small amounts of time on a daily basis, being with Jesus, that is a way of allowing the Holy Spirit then to, to shape us and form us into Christ's image. I like that differentiation that you make because, you know, we all have spirits and all of our spirits are being formed by something and are primarily, you know, our thoughts, our actions, our habits. And you could be a not a Christian, yet your spirit is still being formed by those activities. And then if you are a Christian, then the Christian spiritual formation gives you a goal and an aim mm -hmm. towards which to strive for. Exactly, exactly. And we, as Christians, continue to be formed by every dimension of our lives, all the, whether internal or external. So we, uh, when we talk about technology or we talk about uh, the movies we watch or uh, the music we listen to, all of those things have a, a formative effect on us or uh, maybe also, or a deformative <laughs> effect on us. Right. Yeah. Uh, so. I'd love to hear how you think that digital technology is affecting us. I often say I grew up in a small town in Texas, a town of 1,600 people, and I didn't get my first cell phone until I was 21. We had landlines that I was, I would, you know, overuse and try to hide it from my parents, <laughs> that kind of thing. But, you know, we did not have the ubiquity of social media, um, smartphones, um, computers, the internet even. I mean, I'm really dating myself. I'm really not that old, <laughs> but it's true. And so I often, I, I'll tell people I'm homesick for a world that doesn't even exist anymore because I can feel how I'm changing because of digital technology. And I'd love to hear your perspective on how you think that this digital technology is impacting people's spirits on a daily basis. Right. Uh, well, first, I'm unlike Hunter and <laughs> you to some degree. I, I'm not a digital native, um, mm -hmm. and so I'm I'm really, in some regard, an outsider to uh, what so many people uh, experience as just a assumed part of life, hmm. right. which is this connectedness and this uh, constant connectivity. Um, so I speak as one that's a little bit from the outside, maybe. A, that's the kind of perspective we need, though. <laughs> maybe a fossil, maybe a fossil. <laughs> no, you know? we wouldn't call you that. <laughs> uh, and, of course, uh, historically, there's there have always been, you know, constant advances in technology mm -hmm. that uh, whether just as a human being or as a follower of Jesus, uh, 
we adjust to. Um, the printing press changed oh, absolutely. a lot in terms of the availability of the printed word and those kinds of things. Uh, you mentioned the landline, uh, mm -hmm. telephone, uh, television. I, I remember getting our first television, and I remember people that got a color TV, <laughs> and uh, you try to get in good with those people that had a color <laughs> TV so you could go visit them and watch a show in color. Uh, and, a, and each of those advancements offered also challenges uh, to our spiritual life, our formation, but none, in my view, uh, to the degree, the extent, uh, the depth of the technology that we have in our pockets today. Right. That, and I think the key word you used, uh, that it's ubiquitous. It, mm -hmm. It's the constant availability of that technology, that tool, that device, and generally tools are passive. They, they sit in a corner hmm. waiting to be used. It's a great point. Whereas our phone is calling to us, right? right? With alerts, notifications, messages, occasionally a phone call. You know, most, most of us don't even use our phones for <laughs> phone calls anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's generally for most people that it's, very, it's a very active, almost companion. Right. Um, you know, and they've said that they have that, you know, spiritual formation, you know, has to do with embodiment and living in a human body to a degree. And they say that the devices actually will give you that release of dopamine that you might get from a drug high or right. smoking a cigarette or, you know, whatever other kind of addictive substance. It gives that same release of uh, chemicals in your brain. Right. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. The only two industries that uh, call their clients users are the illicit drug industry and the software industry. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I've heard that before. It is so true. <laughs> and, and which, you know, kind of begs the question, it, do I want to be a user? <laughs> uh, but maybe more profoundly, uh, more and more that has been made available even from insiders of the industry is that we are not even just users, but we actually are the product. Mm. Uh, yeah. And when, when we use uh, a platform and we don't pay for it, then someone is buying through advertising our attention. That's so true. And Have you watched The Social Dilemma? Yeah, I was going to bring that up. And yeah. It's such a powerful... Uh, really is uh, documentary. Can you share with us a few things that you thought were important coming out of this is the social dilemma that you can find on Netflix. Right. Yeah. In terms of formation, uh, it's po it's important to realize that the the screen that we are using is not passive. It's not neutral. The behind that screen, there is a supercomputer. <laughs> And some of the most brilliant minds uh, in the world that are, their goal is to get us addicted mm. right. to that screen and to guide the way we think, guide the way we engage. So 
it's it and that's one of the that's the uniqueness of this technology that's different than a landline that's different than simply a television that there's actually intention and strategy and billions of dollars that mm-hmm. has gone into what it does to us and wow. and so the power I mean we just need to think about that you know that they aim to form us mm. and to shape us in, in so sobering into directions so it's it's that's what's very different and in this documentary of course it's insiders that uh exec former executives from google apple uh, facebook all the biggies that are basically confess it's a confessional mm-hmm. totally that was one of my biggest takeaways is that a lot of these creators of pinterest facebook instagram they're not uh, even using those websites they're not and they won't let their members. kids use them either exactly. totally exactly. to go back to the you know the the drug use illustration and the words of biggie smalls never get high on your own supply oh. <laughs> <laughs> i'm so glad to know that quote now <laughs> absolutely well and when it comes to digital devices a uh, a hot topic is obviously more specifically the element of social media. Um, right. You may very well have a sort of an outsider's perspective on it, from, but from your view, especially working with young adults at the seminary, how is social media affecting our spiritual well-being? Um, I think a few things come to mind for me, the political divide and the polarization that we're experiencing in our country right now, suicide rates um, among teenagers and young adults, millennials, Gen Z, the loneliness epidemic, not just here in the States, but in England and Japan, uh, mental health, all these sort of issues. What are some things that come to your mind when you think about the role of social media? Right. I guess the first thing that comes to my mind is, I mean, years ago when social media first uh, became a thing, uh, I I remember I was also working as a chaplain at Denver Seminary Mm -hmm. and I would notice students coming out of class, and as soon as they came out of class, their face was in their phone. Hmm. And the surveys we were doing as part of student life to find out how students were adapting and adjusting to life at seminary, one of the major issues was loneliness. Hmm. And I think there was a definitely a correlation between that their community was virtual hmm. and that did not address loneliness wow yeah. virtual friends <laughs> are not friends right in in the definition of the word uh because we are body mind soul <laughs> we're yeah. whole persons and friendship relationship community uh requires whole person engagement and uh, again, I, I'm I'm surprised at how social media or other forms of the technology can keep us connected. But in my experience, limited as it may be, it can sort of maintain what's been developed through embodied relationships right when there's the foundation there but it can't really supply the foundation yeah in most cases in my 
in my view. Um, one of the things that's that in terms of the divide that was going back to the documentary is that social media, Google searches take us in a specific direction based on our previous uh, track record on that media. Based on the algorithm. Right. Mm -hmm. and, the, and so it just encourages the divide. So social media can actually uh, produce the very things that we are opposed to, hmm. in, whether in the church or good people in society that, you know, we want to uh, unite. We want to be for one another. And this very technology is actually perpetuating uh, mm. and increasing the divide. You know, the I've been running these focus groups of young adults. I just completed my 11th one, which is a lot <laughs> of focus groups to run. And um, one young person said to me, um, he said, you know, the extremes are so easy. And I said, you know, I think I'll remember that for the rest of my life. The extremes are so easy. And we were talking about, he was a young adult African-American man. And we were talking about uh, Black Lives Matter and other issues related to social injustice and how that comes out in social media. And everything is so extreme. And it's almost impossible to have a nuanced discussion on social media and so if that's the only place where we're getting our dialogue that we can feel really alienated and lonely because the second that we say something or if we don't say something in some cases we are pigeonholed and cast away by a segment of the community right so do you think that it's possible that like genuine community can happen online. I mean, I definitely have opinions on this, but <laughs> I would love to hear yours. Well, just in response to your observations that um, the division often also comes as a result of we allow social media or whatever is trending to actually define mm. what is important. And what is trending today is not going to be trending tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And and so we, we get literally whiplashed from one thing to another uh, and comment on those things. And we allow the media that we're giving our attention to to tell us what is important mm -hmm. rather than allowing that to come out of our own hearts and souls and to say, well, this is what I understand to be important. Uh, as a follower of Jesus, loving God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength, and my neighbors, myself, and political issues, social issues, everything comes under that. And so then that's, that becomes the frame that I'm evaluating these issues uh, under, rather than just being led around by, you know, what media is saying is important in regard to community, um, similar to what I mentioned earlier, is that if there's a, already a foundation, and I've noticed this even in classes, like last semester, mid-semester, we had to transition you know, from in-person class to Zoom class mm -hmm. in the middle of a semester. And that seemed to work okay because we had the foundation of relationship 
in person. Hmm. Yeah. And we had community that had been established, and then we could carry on. Uh, but also, then in the summer, I had a doctor ministry class, which was on Zoom for basically eight hours a day for five days. Oh, Gosh. how exhausting. <laughs> it was. <laughs> no thanks. And uh, it, by God's grace, some good things happened. Sure. And I, but there was not the same level of interaction and community and knowing one another uh, and that fatigue. And the reality is, uh, you know, Kurt Thompson, the Christian psychiatrist, you know, wrote an article about Zoom fatigue. And I said, read that after you yes, sent it out. Yeah. Yes. And it and the whole idea is that because our bodies aren't involved hmm. uh, and our brain is having to do triple time. Interesting. The amount of work to compensate for what our bodies normally do when we're in person with one another and we read our bodies read body language and sense it's like 90 97 it's a ridiculous amount of communication exactly. right it's in the 90s i don't know the precise number nonverbal nonverbal yes. communication yes so then it begs the question how then you know can we have genuine community virtually if mm -hmm. 90 per some odd percent of communication is non-verbal it's body yeah and then to community would be the same i would in my mind well you know i would think that any if there were any upside of the pandemic it's just that you know i've been beating the drum on the importance of embodiment and understanding the body just because of my personal history of you know, overcoming or walking through and dealing with an eating disorder. And what is that like in the, in the living in a body? And what does it mean to live in a body? And I've often thought about and meditated on how the body is so important that God <laughs> descended from on high and took on human form. And when I, like, try to think about that, I get claustrophobic. Because I'm thinking, God, way down to a human body, which he still inhabits today. Mm -hmm. I mean, and the, that's how important the body is. And I think, you know, you know, not to get too deep in the philosophical weeds of Platonism and Greek philosophy on how, you know, mind over matter and all of that. But I think that the pandemic has really taught us the importance of, you know, being in person and the body in community. Exactly. And our and our neighbor, I think, you know, the question in the in Jesus's parable of uh, the Good Samaritan that the, uh, the Jewish people were asking, well, who is my neighbor? Well, in, in a virtual world, that question is almost impossible to answer. Oh, yeah. So who do who do I who do I love? Who do I attempt to care for in a, in a virtual community so to speak because the whole idea of that parable is it's who crosses your path yeah that we are called to be a neighbor to and in a in a virtual world hmm. no one is really either no one's crossing our path or everyone, everyone is crossing our path, crossing our path. <laughs> and so there's no we can't make distinctions so i think it makes it very difficult yeah. to engage community well, Dr. Baker, you mentioned a moment ago last spring when the pandemic hit, having to make that transition to online Zoom platform for your classes. 
obviously a lot of church leaders right now are navigating what it means to do church online and to facilitate community for one way or another, whether for health risk, people who just aren't able to come in and be in person. Right. Um, maybe they're uh, in different parts of the country. Um, they've had job loss. There are different dynamics that make them have to go online. What advice do you have for people who, for one reason or another, may be trying to do spiritual formation online? Uh, is that possible, one? And then secondly, what kind of thoughts or encouragement would you have for people who are, man, they're trying to make the best of the resources that they have at this moment? Right, right. And uh, um, my heart goes out to my brothers and sisters who are pastoring in, in this mm-hmm. current moment. Uh, it's incredibly, incredibly difficult and challenging and taxing uh, on them. So uh, please give grace to your your pastors. <laughs> That's a good word. <laughs> uh, I would say uh, those who are limited by their situation uh, in the current moment would my encouragement would be to aim for depth uh, in your reading, in what you're listening to, in what you're uh, what you're watching, uh, rather than entertainment. Uh, mm-hmm. Entertainment is is not going to form you into Christ-likeness. Uh, but if you engage with something that's you know going deeper into Scripture, going deeper into life with God, then uh, then that can really be helpful. Second thing I would say would be find at least one person, you know, to process with, hmm. uh, that whatever it is that you're taking in, uh, to don't do that alone. Hmm. And, uh, even if it's, if it can't be in person over the phone, uh, and, uh, to just share that with, with those that are closest to you. Uh, I think, to embodiment, uh, to engage uh, embodied practices, uh, whether it's physical exercise, whether it's Hmm. um, fasting, uh, but things that engage uh, the body uh, so that even though maybe we're absent from other, from physical community, that we're still engaging our bodies before the Lord. That's great. Um, those are great points. Thank you so much, Dr. Baker, for being here. And Mr. Hambrick, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Haley. You've been listening to Christian Curious with Dr. Haley Gray Scott. Be sure to join us next week, or if you're listening to the podcast, check out the next episode as Dr. Baker will be with us again, teaching us how to craft a rule of life in a digital age. Reach out with your thoughts and questions to Haley at hgscott.com. That's H-A-L-E-E at hgscott.com scott.com stay curious thank you for listening to christian curious with dr haley you can contact her with your comments or questions about today's show at her email dr haley at christiancurious.org that's d-r-h-a-l-e-e at christiancurious.org you may also learn more by visiting the christian curious website christiancurious.org Join Dr. Haley again next week for Christian Curious on AM 670 KLTT.